All right, so we've been riding on the struggle bus. We'll continue to ride on the struggle bus tonight. Man, there's a bunch of people here. I got on y'all on Sunday, didn't you? Didn't I? <laughs> Everybody's like, I better come back. He's going to get on me on Sunday again. Uh, it is good to see you. Uh, that really did. It shocked me. I was like, wow, there's a lot of folks here for a Wednesday night. It's good to see you. Uh, we have been on the struggle bus, if you haven't been with us. Uh, we have been talking about what it means to struggle and how we feel like we're struggling so many times. And uh, we've addressed all different aspects of it and, and what it's like to struggle in life and what it's like to struggle as a Christian and as, as a non-believer. And we just talked about struggles, right? Because everybody at some point is struggling. Uh, you can act like you ain't struggling. You're struggling. Uh, this is you on the struggle bus sometime in your life. Yeah, everybody's been on this bus. You know what I'm talking about. This is what my life looks like sometimes, right? So it's, you know, it's not good. But typically, at some point in time, we're all on the struggle bus. Um, I, I want to address something with you tonight that I kind of was thinking about. Um, I, I, uh, you guys know that I work for a, a plasma company. You know, it's a pharmaceutical company and all that kind of stuff. And they, they, they tried to, because I work for a laboratory, it's a little bit different than all the plants uh, where they manufacture all the pharmaceutical products. So we're a little bit different, and we're kind of like the redheaded stepchild a little bit. If there are any redheaded stepchildren in this room, I apologize. If, if We were kind of like the redheaded stepchild a little bit. We're on the outside looking in. We're not exactly like the plants, where they kind of treat us like we're the, one of the plants where they manufacture stuff, but, but they're way bigger, and we're a little bit smaller, you know. And, you know, I, I manage the, the, labor, the two laboratories uh, that, that basically... Uh, if, if they don't operate, if the two laboratories don't operate, then they don't have plasma to make the product. So we're actually a key component to what they do. But anyway, so they, they, they kind of look at us a little bit lower. And, and they've been doing this whole thing where they try to bring us up and make us more like the plants and try to include us in all the stuff the plants are doing, right? And everybody's like, this is really boring. Where are you going with this? So what happened was there was this uh, one particular time this past year where they called all the IT managers from all the plants together. And then we, we're going to have a big powwow. We're going to have a big meeting, and it's going to last about a week. Well, it's going to be in Vienna, Austria, right? So that's where some of our corporate headquarters stuff is in Vienna, Austria. Some of it's in Los Angeles, California. Some of it's in Chicago, Illinois. But anyway, so they were calling all the IT managers to Vienna, Austria. Well, you'll never guess who got left on the outside, right? Yeah, that's right. You're looking at him, right? Yeah, so... So the redheaded stepchild, he got left at home. Everybody else went to Vienna, Austria, and they got to stay in a nice posh hotel and all this kind of stuff. And I'll have to admit, there was a side of me that was really kind of jealous. I felt like I was a little bit lower than everybody else. Everybody else was up here, and they were on the inside, and I was on the outside looking in. I was a, a little bit further down here. But let me tell you this, that, that um, I have a very godly friend of mine. He happens to be one of the IT managers at uh, at one of the plants of planting Covington, and he and I were talking. He said, he said, let me tell you something. He said, I know that you're a little bit hurt by this. And he said, I would be hurt too, actually, if I was you. He said, but we have to leave on a Sunday morning in order to be there for a meeting on Monday. And he said, I bet you'll have one of the greatest Sunday morning services that Sunday while we're on an airplane flying over to Vienna, Austria, because God's going to use you, and this God doesn't make any mistakes, and he doesn't. He doesn't miss any of the details, and there's a reason why you're not supposed to be on that plane going to Vienna, Austria. And I just really felt, at that moment, I really felt the love of God just kind of reaching out to me through this man's words, and he was just encouraging me. 
Uh, he and I are brothers in Christ, and we pray together, and it's just amazing to have that camaraderie uh, in, in your company and, and work with people like that. And, and, but really, in a lot of ways, sometimes we do, we feel like we're less than, right? And it kind of breaks our hearts a little bit sometimes. We, we feel like, ah, you know, humility, we, we want to say that we have that. We want to say that we, we look at everybody greater than, as greater than ourselves. But when it really comes down to it, a lot of times we struggle with that when people really are kind of on a different level than us. And we, we, don't, we, we look at them with envy, maybe, maybe a little bit of jealousy. And we're like, man, I kind of wish I was where they were. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus really rocked the boat when it came to talking about putting others first and putting everybody else above you and really humbling himself and, and, and saying, you know what, I want to be the least. I want to be the absolute bottom rung of the, of the last ladder. I want to be at the bottom. And he was God. He was God in human flesh, and he walked around the earth and performed miracles and would heal people and make blind people able to see and, and lame people able to walk and would raise the dead, and he could do all this stuff. But he set the example for us as believers how we're supposed to view ourselves, how we're supposed to, to see ourselves, and we're supposed to see ourselves in complete humility, and we're supposed to see ourselves at the bottom. We really are. And he says, if you do this, if you, if you behave this way and you act this way, you will display the love of Christ. You will display the love, the true love of God. Because if you think about what God did when he became a man, he was God. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to come to the earth. But he did. He humbled himself enough to become flesh and blood for you and I. For what reason? So he could walk around amongst us and tell us what we needed to do so that we could, so he could, he could just show off and show his power and how amazing he was? No, he came in the form of a man so he could die. He could have come in any form that he wanted to, but he came in the form of a man so he could fulfill the purpose of dying. That's humility. That's making yourself lower than anybody else. That's what it means to really be at the bottom is when you lay down your life for your brothers, right? When you lay down your life for somebody else, that's the ultimate act of humility. That's the ultimate act of love. And he said, if you want to look like Jesus, if you want to spread the love of God, then you have to make yourself low and put everybody else above. And that's contrary to the way we think. That's contrary to what's, what's in our nature, what's our, what our flesh desires, because we, we, we naturally become jealous. We naturally want to be up there where everybody else is keeping up with the Joneses. We naturally want what somebody else has. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That, that's not the way. The way you show love is to make yourself low and do things for other people that nobody else wants to do. And we see a, an example of that in John's gospel. Begin, in uh, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, we see where Jesus did this very thing. So Jesus, remember that he, he's He's walked around on the earth. He's done some amazing things, and everybody's in awe of who he is. He's rode in on a donkey. He's come into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he's, everybody's been praising his name. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's, he's God. You know, he, they're worshiping the fact that he's the king of kings. And, and, and this, this is Palm Sunday that he comes in, and they're, they're worshiping him. And then it comes down to the wire. It comes down to the last few days when he's with his disciples. This is on Thursday He'll actually be crucified on Friday. And here is the last time he's going to eat with his friends. He's going to have what's called the Last Supper. Everybody's seen uh, 
the, 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 the famous painting, The Last Supper, right? Everybody's seen that where they're all sitting around a table? That's not what it looked like, by the way. In case you're wondering, they didn't sit at a table more than likely. More than likely, they'd been laying down on the ground because it would last for quite a while, and they would recline. Now, this is important. I'm not just telling you this to put down the Last Supper painting because it's a great painting, and it's really cool and really beautiful and all that, and Jesus probably didn't look like that, but that's okay. But I, it, the reason I tell you this is because they used to lay down when they ate. And this becomes really important when you, when you read this particular passage and you see what, what Jesus did. And I love the way that, that John points out the love of God at the very beginning of this, of this uh, particular passage where he's describing what Jesus did. He says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I mean, just literally, just talking. I mean, John, I, I think that when, when he, is, he is writing this gospel and he's thinking back to this time, all he can think about is the love of God, the fact that God, as a man, would walk around on the earth and he loved his disciples. I mean, he just he spent time with them. He connected with them. He, he, he taught them. He, he corrected them many times, told them that what they were doing was wrong, told them that they didn't have any faith, and he did all of that out of love. He didn't do it to put them down and show that he was God. He did it to, to lift them up so that one day their faith would be so strong that they indeed could endure suffering and pain for the gospel that, that Jesus taught, which was based in love. He, he wanted to show them how to love. And I, I think that, that John is overwhelmed by the picture of the fact that Jesus is showing them once again how to love, how to love people, how to love one another. And he said he loved us all along. And then he loved us right up to the very end. He knew what was coming. He saw that the end was at hand, that, that he was going to be crucified and that he was going to suffer. He saw all that coming. And he loved his disciples up to the very end. Even though they, along with you and I, are the reason he went to the cross. And he loved them to the very end. Think about you and I. Jesus going to the cross for us because he loves us. Because he wants his Father's will to be accomplished for him to die so that we all can be saved. And this is a display of God's love. This is how God shows us that he loves us right up until the very end. It was time for the supper. For supper, And the devil had already uh, prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from, from God and would return to God. I mean, he, he knows that he's God, and he knows that, that Judas has already been, been shown by, the, by, by Satan that, 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 that he's going to betray him. He's already started to put this on his heart. He's already started to show him that, that he could do this. He could take advantage of Jesus, and he could have something to gain, and, and all this is dwelling on, on Judas's heart. And Jesus is still God. I think that it's very important. I think John points this out. Uh, it's a very important point here. And that is that, that, that Satan was trying to disrupt. Satan was trying to distract. But God was still all-powerful and over in control of everything. I, I think you even see that in this passage where we go on to see what Jesus did. Jesus is like, look, there's, there, there's distraction here. There's somebody that's after their own gain. There's somebody that's trying to accomplish something for themselves and in the midst of that, I'm going to show you how to be humble. I'm going to show you how to put everybody else above you, even though he's trying to put himself above everybody else. 
And God was in control of everything. God was in absolute control of everything. Let's go on. So we got up from the table. Now, <laughs> so we got up from the table. The, the table would have been something low. It, it could have been anything that probably would have been very, very short. But so they're already sitting there at the table. All right. They're already laying down, reclined at the table. They've already begun the supper portion. And Jesus gets up during the middle of that. What's going on here? Why, why in the middle? Let's, let's go ahead and read just a little bit. He took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. So Jesus recognized something here. You know what he recognized? They hadn't washed their feet. <laughs> like, oh, that's good. Jesus is pretty keen, yeah. Like, he recognized that their feet were dirty. He, he, what, what, is this, what does this mean? What does this mean? Everybody that, that, that went around uh, in Jesus' time, they didn't really have good shoes. They had maybe some leather strapped to their feet in some way and so a lot of people went around barefooted, and their feet were just nasty, okay? And what they would do is they had, they had a basin of water outside, and, and you would, like, wash off your feet before you came in the house because they would take off whatever's on their feet, and they would come in the house. Now, some people do that to this day. Some people, it was, okay, let me say something. My, my dad's family's kind of weird like this. A lot of them, they'll kick off their shoes and they come in the door. Um, Maybe that's not weird to you because maybe your family does it. That's okay, too. Maybe that's so you don't have to vacuum as much. I don't know what the reason is, but some people like to kick off their shoes and they come in the door and they walk around in the house with no shoes on, sometimes just their socks. And if they aren't wearing socks and their feet are stinking and they walk around with, with stinky feet, and I encourage Ethan, when he comes over to my house, to leave his shoes on, as a matter of fact, when he comes into our house. Um, I love you, Ethan. But anyway, so uh, we... Uh, that for whatever reason, people sometimes take off their shoes and they come in the house. And the Japanese are really big on this, too. You don't come in their house with their shoes on, you know. It's, it's defiling their carpet and their house and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, with me, I just I walk in the house with shoes on. But back in this day, it actually served a purpose that they washed their feet because their feet were really, really, really dirty. They didn't have any good way to, to, to keep their feet clean, so they had to wash them before they came into the house and it looks as though that nobody has done this. Nobody is taking care of this very lowly task. Nobody ha has decided that, that, you know what? I mean, you would think if you're one of the disciples and you were to walk by, I just try to put myself in that position. You know, I'm walking by the basin of water, sitting outside the house or inside, right inside the door. And it's typical custom for you to wash your feet. And they don't do it. This is... This is a time when you're going to have a meal with somebody who you have declared to be the son of God. You personally have said, this is God that I'm about to have a meal with. And they didn't wash their feet. Now, I can't tell you why that is. I don't know why that is. I, I don't know what was going on in their hearts and their minds. Maybe they're in a hurry. I don't know. All I know is that nobody washed their feet. And, and, and you would think if I was going into the house with Jesus, the son of the living God, I would go, hey, Jesus, let me clean your feet for you. But nobody did that. Nobody said, let me, let me take on the role of a servant in order that, that Jesus' feet might be clean when we go down, sit down and eat. Or let me take on the role of a servant so I can wash everybody's feet so that everybody's feet can be clean while we sit and eat with the son of the living God. 
But nobody did that. What does Jesus do? Jesus says, I'm going to use this as a chance to teach you something about how you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be. And in the middle of supper, he gets up and he goes and gets that basin. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting at that table? Now, it breaks my heart to talk about it because this is me, right? This is where I am a lot of times. I'm sitting at the table and Jesus is going to get the basin of water. I, I haven't lowered myself. I've been too good to, to keep myself down on this level, but Jesus is going to get the basin of water. I'm too busy feeding my face and worried about making sure my stomach's full to worry about what Jesus is doing, and Jesus is going to get the basin of water to wash my stinky feet. That's me. That's where I am a lot of times. I'm too worried about something else, and I'm not worried about Jesus, and I'm too focused on me and what I want and what I'm trying to get and where I'm trying to get to and all that kind of garbage. And the whole time, Jesus is like, let me go get the basin of water and wash your feet that you won't even do yourself. I'm going to teach you something. And what does he do? He takes off his outer robe. I, I can't imagine laying there watching Jesus start to do this and puts a towel around his waist and heads over to that basin of water. He starts to wash their feet. By the way, he washed Judas's feet. Even though he knew he was going to betray him, he washed Judas's feet. We'll see what he says in just a second. First, he gets to Simon Peter. He says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Peter's saying, there's no way that I am going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. I think, I think that Jesus was trying to say, you know what, Peter, you had your chance. You could have washed everybody's feet, but you didn't. And you don't understand what's going on right now, but one day you will. This will be a lesson you will never forget. This will be something that I'm going to teach you today that will stick in your mind for the rest of your life. He said, you don't understand right now. but One day, you're going to see it for what it really is. Let's go on. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. You can't do this, Jesus. There's no way you can do this. I'm not going to stand for it. And I don't believe it's ever a good thing to command God and tell him what to do, what not to do. As a general rule, God, don't do this, you know. I, I, like, here, Peter's trying to tell Jesus, no way you're going to do this. Peter was always known for putting his foot in his mouth and saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. I believe this is another instance of it. And Jesus, look, at what, look how bad Jesus rebukes Peter right here. I mean, this, this would hurt me to hear this. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless you partake, and, and, and this is not, Jesus ain't, ain't, he's no longer talking about feet washing. Jesus is no longer just, he, he's not just talking about cleaning somebody's feet. He's talking about a spiritual cleansing that can only come from Jesus Christ himself. He's try, he said, I'm trying to teach you something about, about how you need to be washed clean, Peter. I'm trying to show you something about what it means to be in my kingdom. He says, if, if you don't understand this, if you can't grasp this, if you won't let me do this, then you can't even be a part of my kingdom. 
If you don't really understand the level of humility that, that I've come to, so that I will die as a human being for you, if you don't understand this level of humility, he said, you're not even in my kingdom. You're not, you don't belong to me. You don't belong to the Father. He says, you've got to get this. You've got to understand this. You've got to embrace this lesson that I'm trying to show you right here. And then what does Peter do? Peter says something else stupid. So Peter goes the opposite end of the spectrum. He goes, look at what he says. He says, Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. So he's like, okay, well, you got to wash me clean. I get that. Okay, let's just wash everything. I need to be made completely clean. I, I need to be, be, be just completely washed. Kind of dumb, right? Kind of Just let Jesus do his thing. Stop commanding Jesus to do stuff. And just let Jesus do what Jesus is going to do. Let him teach you the lesson and just keep your mouth shut. Woo, if I could do that for about two seconds. You know what I mean? <laughs> just keep my mouth shut and let Jesus teach me a lesson. No, I just keep saying st dumb stuff and Jesus keeps going, just be quiet. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to show you something. And, and, and Don't just wash my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet. To be, externally, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. You know what he just told Peter right there? Peter's being dumb and saying all the wrong things. You know what he just said to Peter? He said, Peter, you're clean. You don't need to be clean again. You're clean. The son of the living God has just looked at Simon Peter and looked at him in the eye and said, you're saved. You're saved. You're clean, you're washed, you're new, you're different, you're changed. You've been transformed. You're a new creation. Peter, you're clean. You don't need to be clean again. You're clean. Can you imagine God looking at you in the eye and saying that? I, I, we struggle with doubt and frustration about salvation and all those kinds of things. And Can you imagine the Son of God looking you in your eye and going, you're clean. You're clean. And that's exactly what he tells Peter. He says, but not all of you. There's one of you that has selfish motivations, and you don't see Jesus for the Son of the living God. You see Jesus as a means to an end, and you see Jesus for what you can get from Jesus, not Jesus for who he is. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Judas. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe, uh, again, and, and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. He says, you've looked at me as your teacher. You've looked at me as your master. You've looked at me as your Lord. You've elevated me to a place above you. He said, now I want you to see, if I'm really your teacher, I want you to see this lesson that I am teaching you, and that is to really be a true teacher You've got to humble yourself and make yourself low. To be a true 
master, to be, to be one that, that is truly sharing and discipling other people's now, what you have to do is you have to make yourself low and make them great and push them to the top and push yourself further down. He said, but there's one of you that's not doing that. He's trying to push himself to the top above everybody else. And we know that he's controlled by the devil. Uh, we, we, we know that, that shortly thereafter in the Passover feast that they were having, that, that, that Judas ran out. He got intimidated because Jesus called him out and said what he was doing. And he ran out and it says Satan entered him at that moment. But here Jesus is pointing his disciples. He says, I want you to see what this is. I want you to recognize what it really means to be a teacher. What it really means to be a, a messenger. He says, love each other. Love each other. Love each other. Wash each other's feet. Lift each other up. Put others above you. Stop trying to make your name great. Lift other people up. Make yourself humble. And that way people will know, well, that must be a Jesus follower. That must be somebody who loves God because they want to show the love of God because they don't make much of themselves. They make much of everybody else. And they make much of God. And they show God's love by the way they make much of everybody else. Listen, listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Are they, they, they make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Listen to what he says. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think equally with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the, he took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. On a cross. That's the way Christians behave. That's the way Christians think. Not what can I do for myself, but what can I do for everybody else? How can I lift other people up? How can I show other people the love of God by making myself low so I can push them to the top? I can, I can be last in line so others can be first in line. And maybe if they see me doing that, they'll go, that's the way Jesus behaved. That's what Jesus did. That's the purpose Jesus had when he came to the earth was to make himself low and empty himself so that he can endure a criminal's death going to a cross for you and I, enduring the lowest kind of low criminal torture that he could possibly endure on a cross for you and I. And that's the way Jesus behaved. Is, is that the way we behave? Is that the way we show the love of God? See, sometimes when we're struggling, you know why we struggle? You know why we feel like we're struggling so many times? Because we're trying to push our way to the top. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to make ourselves more, trying to make ourselves more. That's why we struggle sometimes. That's why we, 
We're fighting our way to the top, seeing who we can step on to get our way and to get what we want. And Jesus says, you want to not struggle? Easy. Push all them ahead of you, and you get down to the bottom, and you push everybody else up. And I figured out in my life that the times when I struggle the least is when I'm behaving more like Jesus. How, how about you? Is, is, that, is that where you are? Is that how you feel that the times when you really, you know I'm not really struggling right now. It's because you're acting more like Jesus and less like you. This is just one of the ways it happens. Now, there may be somebody in here that doesn't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. And when I spoke about Jesus making himself a man and coming to the earth, you know, when God made himself a man and came in the form of Jesus Christ to die for us, it hits you, and it hits you really hard, and, and you thought about it, and it's like, he really did. He humbled himself to the point of becoming a man and becoming like a criminal so that he could die for me. But think about this, too. Think about this, too. While you're sitting at the table trying to, to feed your face and get all that you can get and get everything that you can possibly have to make your belly full, Jesus is on his way to the basin to get the water so he can wash your feet. Jesus is on the way to, to go and take off his outer garment so he can put a towel around his waist so he can clean your nasty, stinky feet. To wash you clean, to make you whole for the purposes of, of lifting you up. God loves you that much. God loves you that much. He displayed his love through the cross and through this example that we see God loves you that much. And he wants a relationship with you that much. So much so that he died for you. You can have a relationship with him. You really can. But it's going to require you to be humble. To acknowledge who you are and your, your sin condition that you're in and the place, the fact that, that you're in desperate need of a Savior. And if you'll give him your life and you'll say, God, I no longer belong to myself. I belong to you. Not, not, not what I want anymore, but what you want. I want to be more like you and less like myself. If you confess that before Jesus Christ, he'll wash you and make you clean. He'll wash you and make you clean. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this precious word. God, and the fact that you humbled yourself as a man and you came to this earth for the purposes of redeeming the whole earth. Now, I pray that we recognize that. Now, I pray that more than that, we recognize the pattern of the teacher. We recognize the pattern of our Lord, which is to make himself low so, so that other people can, can be lifted up, so that other people can, can, can see the fact that we're making ourselves low for the purposes of God to be glorified. That, 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 that is how we love one another is to make ourselves low so that we can, we can love each other and do the things that other people don't want to do so they can see the love of Christ in us. God, so many times we struggle, God, and it's because we're trying to push our way to the top. We're trying to make much of ourselves, and that's why we struggle. I pray that we wouldn't be that way. I pray that we would be people of humility, that, that we would fall down not just at the cross, but we'd fall down at the feet of other people. Lord, that we would, we would be the ones to, to do the things that nobody else wants to do. We would get low in those places, dirty, nasty, awful places that nobody else wants to go. And we would show people that we love them. God, I pray that we would be followers of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would be messengers just like Jesus was. God, if there's somebody here, they don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you have opened their eyes to the power 
of your glory and the power of your Holy Spirit is working on their hearts. God, I pray they come to us saving knowledge of Jesus Christ right now. And Lord, I know that if they'll come and they'll ask, that if they'll come and they'll fall down in front of you in humility, that God, you will make them clean. You will wash their feet. Because that's who you are. It's exactly who you are. That's the loving Father that you are, exhibited by coming to this earth as a man and dying as a criminal. God, we thank you. We thank you, Father. Thank you for washing our feet. We won't even do it ourselves. God, we thank you for that level of humility that Jesus exhibited. God, I pray that we would just respond to you. However you've used this message to, to, to show people the love of Christ, however you've used this message to draw people to you, and, and maybe they found peace tonight. I pray, God, we just be obedient in our response to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.